And if you've been with us for a while, you know that I preach on Sundays when the kids are up here with us. Well, we call those family Sundays. Today is not one of those days. It's not a family Sunday. The next family Sunday is at the end of this month, and I will be on vacation. And so our friend Tom Lanham has been voluntold that he will <laughs> preach on that Sunday for us. So you also may have noticed that on Family Sundays when I speak, my sermons tend to be fairly short. And so about a month ago, Pat told me that he would like to coach me through this particular sermon, which I took his code for, hey, let's see if we can get that sermon a little longer. <laughs> so I took, um, so in the process of working through the text with Pat, I noticed some really cool things that I want to share with you this morning. Last week, talk, Pat talked about how Paul told the churches in Galatia that they were crazy, and today we will find out why Paul says they're crazy as we continue our walk through the book of Galatians. Let's pray. Jesus, as we meet with you this morning, I pray that you would give us fresh eyes and ears to hear your message for us through these words from Paul. Amen. So the first thing, oh, let's read. Let's read the Bible. Let's, we're going to be in Galatians 3, starting in verse 15. It says, To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So the first thing Pat asked me to do was to just outline the passage as it is, to see if anything stood out to me. And as I started looking through the passage, I realized two things. One, I had forgotten how to write a proper outline. <laughs> and Paul has a lot to say in this passage about three specific things, which I highlighted in the passage. So each of these highlights is one of the words, either covenant, promise, or law. So uh, they must be important if Paul keeps saying them over and over. And the first thing that Paul mentions is a covenant. The covenant was between God and Abraham and Abraham's descendants. The covenant said, I am your God and you are my people. Well, then Paul goes on to mention that God's promises spoken to Abraham were these. God said, I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And it says, he says those promises which he makes to Abraham and his, his descendants were actually in a deeper and fuller way made to Jesus because Jesus is the one who would come to fulfill the covenant perfectly. So then he goes on to talk about the law. And it says, the law came 430 years after the covenant. For 430 years, people lived fine under the covenant. That God was God and they were his people. 
But then the people started living their own ways. They weren't staying true to their covenant with God. So through God's messenger Moses, the law comes along, and the law came to help the Jews live like they should until the covenant could be fulfilled by Jesus. So you may be wondering, because I was, why is Paul explaining all of this to them? Well, the churches in Galatia are churches of Gentiles. They're filled with Gentiles. So they didn't grow up in the Jewish traditions. They, didn't, they wouldn't have known about God and a covenant that was with his people. And they wouldn't have known that there were promises coming for keeping the covenant. And they don't know that the law, all, all the laws that were given to Moses, they certainly don't know that the law was given to keep the covenant, to help the people keep the covenant. But the Jewish Christians know all about this. They've grown up with all of this. They've known the laws their whole life. They've lived with them. And so the certain Jewish Christians are now telling the Gentiles in the churches in Galatia, hey, you're doing it wrong. You have to follow the law to be a Christian. Specifically, the laws, they say, um, that every male must be circumcised. Everyone has to keep the Sabbath holy by not working on those days. And everyone has to eat according to the Jewish kosher food laws. These three laws were, identif were identity markers for the Jewish people. Like, if you were keeping these three laws specifically, then it was just assumed that you were keeping the rest of the 600-plus laws in the Jewish law. And if you're following the laws, our Jewish Christians say, you're a part of God's family. That's how you get in. But Paul is saying, people, have you forgotten everything? Hello, Jesus. Jesus came and fulfilled the promises to free us from the law. The laws are not going to save you. All you need to do is trust Jesus and be baptized. That's what gets you into the family of God. And if you could get into the family by following all the laws, then you're denying what Jesus did for you. There's no reason for it. So let's jump back in the Bible in Galatians 3 and verse 19. It says, Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So why have the laws? Well, the Jewish people are sinning, and the laws were given to help the Jewish people keep their side of the covenant until Jesus could come on the scene. Jesus sets us free from the law. I love how the author N.T. Wright in his commentary on Galatians puts it into perspective like this. He says, Paul's picture of the law in Israel's story now focuses on its task and role as a babysitter until Israel should grow up. It's a great picture of the law being in place to guide the people of Israel until Jesus comes. Uh, let's go back to Galatians. Starting in verse 21, it says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, 
so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So here Paul is reassuring the churches in Galatia that the promises of God don't change. Jesus fulfilled the covenant, and so now the promises of the covenant are in place, and they belong to all of us who have our faith in Jesus. When we become followers of Jesus, we receive the promises of the covenant because of what Jesus has done for us. And a really important part of that promise that we receive is the Holy Spirit, who fills us and begins to change us. The Spirit in us becomes our guide instead of the law, not only telling us how to live like Jesus wants us to live, but also empowering us to do so as we put our trust in Jesus. We no longer need the law. So now that Jesus has come, Paul asks, what are you putting your trust in? Uh, Are you putting your trust in the law and your own efforts to obey it, which are always going to produce fear in us? Or are you putting your trust in Jesus and what he has done for you? What is guiding you, fear or faith? Our goal should be to live a life of faith, not fear. When I first became a Christian, I was stuck in the game of fear. Uh, I assumed that there were laws that I was supposed to be following, but I really didn't know what they were. And I was afraid that everything I did was probably bad. So when we moved to Port and started attending a church there, I drove a yellow VW Bug. Loved that car. I also smoked. At the time, I loved that too. I was pretty sure that the car was okay as a Christian. I could drive the car. But smoking was probably against the law of being a Christian. And so I lived in fear that my church friends were going to find out that I was smoking, which was so silly because at this church that we were going to, there was an ashtray right outside, and it always had cigarette butts in it. So somebody else was doing it too. I was just the one that was going to get caught. So because of my bright car, I would also have people see me all over town and say, hey, I saw you driving through Port the other day. And I would panic thinking, what did they see me doing while I was driving this car? (laughs) All of that fear came from thinking that I was not following the law, even if it was one that I made up in my head. I was being guided by fear. Jesus came so we could live a life of faith, not fear. So what is guiding you? Are you being guided by fear? You may, you may be living in fear if you think to yourself, what if someone finds out that I dot, 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 fill in the blanks. What if somebody finds out that I went to the bar? What if somebody finds out I yell at my kids? What if someone finds out I got a speeding ticket? What if somebody finds out I read that certain book? Did you get a speeding ticket? Oh. <laughs> I mean, there's no judgment there. It's okay. Um, Sorry, sidetrack. What if I read that certain book or people find out that I really like scary movies? Well, after having our third child, I suffered from postpartum depression. I probably had it after all of my kids, but by the time Emma, our youngest, came along, I was a hot, hot mess. And so um, I really struggled because I thought, I should just be able to get over it. I'm a Christian, for goodness sake. 
And so I just kept struggling. And then I was telling myself, Christians don't suffer from anxiety, and this is not a thing I should do. So finally, at the request of my husband, I went to the, to the doctor. And I told him the problem that I was having, and I said, I just quit smoking, and I'm pretty sure that if I start smoking again, I will be fine. And the doctor laughed, because he does that a lot when I go there. And he said, why don't we try this little pill instead? And I said, fine, have it your way. Well, that one little pill changed everything. I felt like myself again. I wasn't stuck in this rut of sadness and anxiety and depression, but there was still a little fear there. What if somebody finds out I need to take this pill to be happy? That I'm not truly relying on God for my sanity. So finally, I took it to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, thank you for making this little pill and that can help me get through this situation. And I said, I, I asked Jesus to help me be okay with the fact that I had to take this little happy pill. And then I told him that I have faith that if someday he decides I don't need it anymore, he will let me know. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're struggling with fear in some area, today might be a really good day to give that over to Jesus and receive freedom from the law or fear that has you stuck. So I want to teach you a type of prayer this morning, and then we're going to practice it. Did you say, uh-oh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm used to working with the kids, and I just like tell it like it is. All right, so the prayer is called Palms Down, Palms Up. So you want to think of something that has you stuck in the fear or law, and then maybe hold it, because that's what I like to do with my fears. I like to hold on to them really tight. And then you're going to put your palms down on your lap to release that fear to God. And then you might even pray, um, God, I want to be free from the fear of this thing. And then after you've given that fear to Jesus, then you're going to turn your palms up in a posture of receiving God's love and grace. And then just take a moment to be still and listen for anything that God might be saying to you. Cool? All right. I will pray, and then we'll do the thing. So Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to guide us out from under the law and into your freedom. Help us to see where we are stuck in fear and give us courage to release those things to you now. Amen. I'm going to walk you through it. It's a great idea. All right. So take your fears. Where are your fears? And then we're going to put our palms down on our lap and just... Release it to Jesus. Jesus, we want to be free from these fears. And then we're going to put our palms up, and we're just going to wait to see if God has anything to say to you.
We are going to move into our time of communion together. Um, if you're here with us this morning, you're welcome.